Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. I don't know. I think maybe the guys that <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I think you know we we take every game as a, as an opportunity to get better. You know, I feel like when you win on the road, it's a different feeling than when you win at home. You you kind of on a mission. We have the mentality when you you know you want we fly together, we have the same we in the hotel together, and, and then we get to the game. Yeah, it's more of a more like a mission. And then maybe sometimes you know when we are home, we get a little more distracted and we're not as good. We gotta find a way to take more advantage of the home court and uh, find a way to be fresher at home because we look fresher on the road. That's Rudy Gobert. The Jazz are back home. Theoretically, that's an advantage, except they got a much better record on the road. 12-3 and three on the road, 13-6 and six at home. they got Minnesota at home tonight. Minnesota's got a losing record on the road. Jazz have already beaten them once this year after getting swept by them last year. Ought to be another W. And then the Warriors tomorrow night. Both games tip off at 7 o'clock, and our coverage will begin at 6 o'clock both nights here on Jazz Game Night, the pregame show. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> you got any expectations for this Wolves game or take care of business, check the box, move on? I expect to play well and win. Man. That's the standard that I've set for them and the standard they set for themselves. Donovan Mitchell not on the injury report released last night. Mike Conley will miss tonight's game. He will be rested. He has played some back-to-backs this year, but he's not playing this one. He'll sit tonight and then presumably play tomorrow night against the Warriors. Joe Ingles is listed as questionable with a lower back injury. Didn't see that one coming. Hmm, me either. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Passes to Curry on the left wing, uses an Embiid screen to go cross-court to the right. Back to Embiid on the left wing, 10 on the shot clock against Aldridge. They clear out that side, loses the dribble for a moment, six to shoot, drives in, draws the foul, and connects. Pangos bounce pass, broken up by Davis Caldwell, pump in transition. Kisper to Beal, hang on, Passes it off to Giannis. Giannis between the rings, drives as he lowers his head and drives inside, lays it in with a left hand, off the window, and good. And there is another 30-point game for the Greek Freak. Giannis finishes with 33 points, 12 rebounds. The Bucs pull out the Magic, 136-118. For all the injuries the Bucs have had this year, they're only one game behind the Nets and a half game behind the Bulls, sitting in third place in the East. Sixers beat the Nets. Embiid went for 34 in that one, and the Wizards took down the Cavs. Cleveland Cavaliers lost. Ricky Rubio tore his ACL earlier this week. They're now reportedly... Pursuing a replacement, and the target right now is Lakers guard Rajon Rondo. So we'll see if they're able to pull Rondo away and fill that gap. Warriors were supposed to play the Nuggets last night, but the Nuggets didn't have enough players, so the game was postponed. The Warriors 27-7, and next up for them is the Jazz tomorrow night. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. The Utes on the road against a 2-10 Oregon State team. Can't get it done. Trail most of the night. Actually dug a pretty big hole. Fought back, made it close, and got blown out again. They ended up losing by 12, 88-76. 20 turnovers, PK. They were coughing the ball up, and they weren't getting very many stops. Yeah, well, you and you look at the other team's field goal percentage. It was off the charts. It's unacceptable. Yep. Shot about 55% from the floor. And a lot of that was transition bucks, buckets. Uh, that helped, but they got in the half court and they scored as well, too. So David Jenkins Jr. leads the youth with 22 points, but that wasn't where the problem was. Turnovers, the transition points, and the high field goal percentage. That did it. Oregon State gets the win. They improved to 3-10 on the year. The youths dropped to 1-2 in conference. Weaver State and Southern Utah were picked 1-2. Actually, Southern Utah was picked 1. Weaver State was picked 2 in the Big Sky, and they are both 3-0 in the Big Sky after winning last night. Southern Utah beat Sacramento State, and Weaver State took down Montana State. Tomorrow, UVU coming off a uh, lost Abilene Christian at home will host Tarleton State. Dixie State 
Lost to Tarleton State last night. Utah is getting ready to play Oregon. 8.30 on the Pac-12 networks tomorrow night. Weaver State will be in Missoula playing Montana. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I think that for me personally, I hope it's not. I was saying, I was saying, I hope it's not. But I was also also saying that in terms of the preparation, I also know that the reality is is that it won't be my last game in, in, in NFL period. So every day you have to give everything you have. That's Russell Wilson. He hopes it's not his last game in Seattle, but they might be rebuilding, so he could be on the move. Seattle already eliminated from the playoffs. They have no shot. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers have a shot at the playoffs. Not a great one, but they do have a shot. But they are uh, also preparing for uh, Ben's last performance. The big games this weekend, or his last performance at home, uh, the big games this weekend, Chiefs and Bengals. 11-4 Kansas City has clinched the AFC West. Cincinnati has a one-game lead over Baltimore in the AFC North, but they have not clinched yet. That is a big game, and the Chiefs on an eight-game win streak. I assume that's your pick, PK. It's mine. Oh, I'm going with you. You're, you, you know the NFL, man. No. You just like the back of your hand. You've been a, you've been a Charger fan since you were a little, little boy. <laughs> a what? A, l- a little boy. Yeah, you have. Dolphins and Titans, Miami, after losing seven straight games, has won seven straight games. If they make it eight in a row, this would be the most impressive win in the streak by a wide margin as they play the AFC South leaders, the Titans, who are only a game in front of the charging Colts. Colts have the Raiders, who at eight and seven have been all over the map and are currently tied for the last wildcard spot in the AFC. And the Rams and the fading Ravens. The Ravens really had it going there for a while. They got off to a great start, but they have had major quarterback injuries. They've lost four in a row. Tyler Huntley supposed to be back. Lamar Jackson did not practice. Last time he tried to practice, he was limping badly. Nobody thinks he's going to go, so it looks like Huntley's going to get the start for the Colts against the, uh, or for, excuse me, for the uh, Ravens against the Rams. And speaking of fading teams, the Cardinals, who have given up the lead in the NFC West, they have been uh, struggling, taking on water, losing three in a row. They are facing the Dallas Cowboys, who have already clinched the NFC East and are just playing for seeding at this point. So are the Cardinals. Theoretically, they could still win the West, but realistically, they're not going to. Well, they're playing for For seeding. Yes. They have clinched a playoff berth. 15 finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Steve Smith Sr., former Ute, did not make the cut. Andre Johnson, DeMarcus Ware, Devin Hester, all among the finalists. Tony Baselli, Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne, some of the other big names out there who are eligible for the Hall. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. It's unbelievable, and that's a big reason why I chose to just say this is my last year because I'm so content with how things have gone and what better way to go out, right? So uh, I'm really excited to put on that Utah uniform one last time. Way emotional about it. (laughs) You know, I'm a sentimental guy, so uh, I'm excited. That's Britton Covey capping his Ute career in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. We'll have a... Pre-game special for you at 1 o'clock here on the Zone Sports Network. The game will kick off at 3 o'clock Mountain on ESPN. We're getting from predictions from now from people now. PK, are you seeing many U fans down there in uh, Southern California now? Or are they too spread out all over L.A.? No, you're seeing them, yeah. You're seeing right where we're at here, downtown. It's a little triangle area just uh, feet north of the Encrypto thing where the Lakers and Clippers and Kings play. There's three hotels where media, both teams, fans. Last night I was out. My sisters got into town. I went and visited her in Pasadena. I did the show with uh, Alex and Scott in Pasadena yesterday, and it was raining like crazy. So you didn't you didn't see them out and about, but you you certainly did see them. I, I went out last night to a restaurant in Pasadena because I was there doing the show. I had several people. Uh, call out to me 
uh, you know, because you're indoors at that point. And today's supposed to be much better. And I just looked outside. It's still dark, but you could see that uh, it's not raining and there's no clouds in the sky. So, yes, they're here. They're here in abundance. They are, they're all over the place. And I think today you will see them. They'll be like cockroaches when you turn off the lights or turn on the lights, man. They'll be scattering. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be all over the place today. So is it your sister who was supposed to get over here now? Is that who that text was for? Uh, I think it was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She had, uh, she told me, I I got up early this morning because they drove over from Phoenix. And I made you chocolate chip cookies and I have them. So that was the... That was the response to that. I was going back and forth with you guys and her. And uh, so I sent that. Yak and I got a text from PK. Get over here now! All caps, too. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, so I was telling her that I was doing the show. Uh, we were doing it at a local restaurant in Pasadena. She's, and we're downtown, so that's like you know, 15 miles away. And uh, she was she's staying at, uh, at a courtyard uh, just right off Colorado Boulevard, the main dragon, Pasadena, where they have a parade. And so I was telling her, I was at this other place, uh, Mixes, I think it was called. And so uh, with the cookies, I told her to get over here now, but uh, sent it to you guys and then sent it to her too. Colorado Boulevard, nice job by your sister right there. Walk right downstairs, watch the parade. Good work. That's like a block where she's at, yeah. About a block behind it. All right, more on the game coming up. People putting their predictions up on our Facebook page, DJ, DJ and PK, and voting on Twitter, David DJ James. We've got a poll up there. Do that. We'll get you the results here in a few minutes. DJ and PK, let's get to the rest of college football. Hashtag college football. John Chanel, the fullback. Ferguson into the backfield. Inverted wishbone. Handoff. John Chanel over the left side. Inside the five. Chanel to the end zone. Touchdown, Wisconsin. The fullback, John Chanel. Second and goal, Wisconsin at the seven-yard line. Mertz takes the snap. Drops the throw. Stands at the 17. He'll throw left side. End zone wide open. Jake Ferguson. Touchdown, Wisconsin. Second and goal from the three. Give to Ngata. Straight ahead into the end zone. Touchdown, Devils. Highlights from a busy day of college football, Pac-12, Arizona State. That was clutch, PK. You've been talking penalties all year. They delivered a bunch of good penalties there in the second half to end the season with a 20-13 to loss to Wisconsin. What they have? I have no idea. I didn't watch it. Oh, they, uh, they had a third and 17 because they had a 40-yard run uh, wiped out. They had a third and 21. They were trying to get the ball back at the end of the game. Did and you watch they it? jumped offside only the end of it. Yeah. Uh, and so they ended up losing. Wisconsin ran out the clock. It was a clutch jumping offside with about two and a half minutes to go. Oh, I was long asleep. <laughs> Purdue top Tennessee in overtime. Tennessee got robbed. Who knows if they would have won, but that was a touchdown. And then Purdue was able to play for the field goal and win the game in overtime. Crazy finish there as everybody's uh, trading touchdowns at the end of the game with four touchdowns in the last five minutes. But Purdue ends up with the win. And the SEC now 1-5, although Tennessee to get robbed. But South Carolina beat North Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And then they had the dumping of the Mayo. Try not to hit the guy in the head. You hit the coach in the head with that thing. That's concussion territory. What are you doing? Pitt down to their third-string quarterback. Loses to Michigan State 31-21. Kenny Pickett opted out of the game. And Nick Patty got the start. And he ran for a touchdown. But... Broke his collarbone on the play as he dove for the corner of the end zone. And Michigan State scores three touchdowns late and wins 31-21. Pick six to seal the deal there for them as they get the win in the Peach Bowl. Today, Gator Bowl, 9 a.m. on ESPN. Rutgers, the replacement, should be overmatched against 17th-ranked Wake Forest. Washington State, Central Michigan in the Sun Bowl, 10 a.m. on CBS. And then the college football semifinals. Cincinnati and Alabama in the Cotton Bowl, 130 on ESPN. And then Georgia and Michigan in the Orange Bowl, 530 on ESPN. We get an SEC final PK. Worst case scenario, Bama and Georgia, the rematch. That's worst case? Yeah, that is. I don't want to see that. That's worst case. Okay. Yeah, yeah of the four matchups, it really is the one I'd prefer the least. That's who gives a crap case for me. 
Tomorrow, Penn State and Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. Oklahoma State and Notre Dame, a Fiesta Bowl that kicks off at 11 a.m. That'll lead into the Ute game on ESPN. And then Baylor and Ole Miss in primetime in the Sugar Bowl. But the big one for us, Rose Bowl, 3 o'clock. We will get to the question of the day. Your results coming up. We also got David Locke joining us in just a few minutes to talk about the Jazz. We're going back-to-back with Minnesota tonight and the Warriors tomorrow. Scott Mitchell, your football radio analyst, co-host of Unrivaled. He will join us at 9 o'clock right here on The Zone. David Locke, coming up next. Stay with us. game week for the Utes as they prepare for the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Keep it locked on the zone all week long as the zone gets you ready for the biggest game in Utah football history. As Kyle Whittingham and the Utes square off against Ohio State. Get live up to the second coverage with Patrick Kinahan, Alex Keery, and Scott Mitchell. Live from Pasadena, your home for the best Rose Bowl coverage in Utah is right here on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Texas Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UOP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahhairmd.com. Question of the day. Rose Bowl prediction time. What do you got? Ryan says the Buckeyes have their four best players sitting out, so who knows? It's not true. They've got four good players sitting out. He has no idea if they're the four best players. You always got to look at your quarterback, and he was really good this year. And the running back ran for over 1,000 yards. Come on. Stop. Just stop. Stop. Please. Stop. <laughs> Tell me when I can go. Uh, that was Bob that you just read. He needs to stop. You players and fans are more pumped than the Buckeyes. It's going to be a tremendous home field advantage. Brian says all of that and follows it up with Utes 38, Buckeyes 28. Yeah. See, I... I, I, I that, I would think that the Cougars would do your thing. When you don't want the other guy to brag, you just say, well, yeah, you were supposed to win. That, that's a that's a sniggy. That's one of your tricks that you like to use. And so I would think that that's the way they would go. Say that they want to be there, the other guy doesn't. So, of course, you're supposed to win. So shut up when you do win. That, that, that That's a tactic that you love to use. When have I used that? Oh, come on. We're going to go through this again? Utah 34, Ohio State 31. Brent's got the Utes winning. And he's a Ute. Studied communications at the University of Utah. Okay, yeah. I was talking to some people yesterday, you know, that know what's going on. And uh, talking about... uh, Utah playing a lot of zone this year because they had some injuries in the defensive backfield and maybe not necessarily as good as it normally has been. And certainly youth and injuries are, are, are an issue. Uh, and need more experienced talent. Sano Scali's playing more zone than he's ever played with the idea of protect that uh, the guys on the outside and that one of the things that they were able to have success with, and we were talking about that. I think I was talking, we were talking about this. I mentioned it with Josh Newman of the Tribune when he was on earlier in the week. Is that um, the Pac 12, they just didn't face any good quarterbacks. And they haven't faced a quarterback like this kid. And he's most definitely the best quarterback that they've faced in terms of passing the ball. And it's not even close. Probably not. We like to make fun of that saying, but yeah, probably. But in this case, it's actually true. It's not close. I I think it is, yeah. And so in my conversations with coaches yesterday, uh, informing me that, and I'm I'm telling them, I'm saying, man, thanks for the info. You're going to make me sound smart tomorrow. And which is one of a lot of the situations that I do when I 
start talking. I mean, I, I never. When you sound smart, it's because somebody's told you stuff, yeah, not because you're just sitting there divining it. I never put hat on hat. Just, just call it like it is. And, uh, I, and I've put my fingers in the dirt, but then I quickly remove them because they get my fingernails, and I don't like that. So, you know, I'm not a player. I have no athletic talent whatsoever. And uh, saying that this is going to be a challenge for the defense. Uh, and what can, what can these backup receivers do against Utah's corners? And there's some mystery there because they're backups, right? He felt like, okay, not having these two receivers, uh, Wilson and Olave, is a significant disadvantage. But also, too, we don't really know. We're not on this side of the country. I don't talk to anybody from Ohio State and their coaching staff. And uh, Nobody told me when I was at practice, watch out for the next Caleb Rep. So I don't know anything about that. So we'll have to see what these guys can do. And can they run the ball? And if Ohio State uh, will run the ball, then it's going to force Utah to go more man. And if that's the case, then what can those receivers do? So that's a little bit of a subplot within the game, those types of things, to see what happens there. But at the same time, uh, you know, my it's not like I talk to 10 people, so I don't have a big wide sample. But people I was speaking to said there's no reason why Utah can't control the game and win by a score, score and a half type thing. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball some more. Keep them off the field. Yeah. And then also they they certainly dis, didn't discount the fact that Utah's jacked to be here. There's just no doubt about it. And why wouldn't they be? Of course they should be. This is their very first time. This is a Rose Bowl. And because, uh, you know, without the playoff and the two losses early, they knew the dream for the playoff and prior seasons extended into November and then died hard. This one died much earlier. So the recalibration of the goal was win the conference, right? Before they even got to a conference game the first time ever. Uh, Maybe that one year when they first got in the conference when they lost to Utah State, but that wasn't realistic at that point. The program wasn't up to snuff at the Pac-12 level, and now obviously it is. And so this is the first time in many years that they knew, all right, a playoff and all that stuff is completely and totally out of the question and our goal then is about winning the conference. And the goal was that for 10 weeks. So the large majority of the season, the goal was to win the conference, right? So from that perspective, they achieved their goal. So why wouldn't you be excited? Whereas Ohio State, right to the end, is when they didn't achieve their goal. So in terms of the goal setting, one had it for three months, and the other had it, but then lost it. And the the Utah had it and then achieved it, even though they got one more loss. So, you know, talking about, you know, that type of thing, I think you have to look at that for sure. You know, the interesting thing about playing so much zone is that there are plenty of coaches, I think, who believe you're more likely to get interceptions in zone because the guys in man, you're, you've got your back to the quarterback, you've got to turn around, locate the ball, and pick it off. It's, it's harder for the corners to do. So you play a lot of zone, you would think the interceptions go up, but the Utes only picked off nine passes this year, and linebackers got six of them. Now linebackers are uncovered, so it probably helps them a little bit too. Uh, but it's interesting that the corners and safeties only had three picks all season. It's not yeah, very many. Yeah, one of those linebackers, the best one they've ever had. Yeah, Lloyd, and Lloyd had four of the, yeah. of the nine picks the team had. Absolute superstar. All right, DJ and PK, we got more of your predictions coming up right now. Time to welcome in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. David, good morning. Good morning. I just wanted to share with you that it takes a special person, special personality, to drive by a half mile to a mile long backup of cars and then turn your blinker on as though, oh, let me in. (laughs) It's It's a special person that thinks that they have the right to do that. 
Did you see me? When did you see me? Uh, you know, I was thinking as I was knowing <laughs> I was going to say that coming on the show of whether or not you might be that guy. <laughs> if I got somewhere to go, sure. Every, somebody will always let you in. They will. Because someone's it's just a remarkable, it's a truly remarkable human trait that someone thinks that they're all right doing that. Can you even focus on Minnesota? Are you looking forward to the Warrior game too much? I'm looking forward to 24 inches of powder in Utah. That's why we <laughs> live here. What are you talking about? Um, I mean, I think Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota's a little right. I, I think we're going to see Anthony Edwards, so that's like that's a really tough matchup for us. Um, kind of on this ongoing theme of um, you're trying to get better every day and deal with certain things. There's there's some aspects to tonight's game against Minnesota that are as much. Um, you know, what the Jazz need to get better at if they're going to possibly, you know, advance the Western Conference Finals, advance the Finals, or win the Finals. Um, so I think, you know, if Draymond doesn't play, that that's, you know, that's a big question on Golden State. I, he, he's right on the edge of whether he'll be out of protocol or not. Um, but we saw in the one game they played against Denver, while they really were pre- quite impressive and fought in the second half and the first half, Without Draymond, they're just not the same team. I mean, Steph couldn't find his bearings, and their defense wasn't the same. So it's kind of like us without Rudy. Um, you know, they're very similar players, actually. They dominate the game defensively with brilliance, and then they dominate the game offensively in ways that unless you really are an astute basketball mind, you, you, you see the box score, you don't probably get it with Draymond. But he, he's, you know, he really alters the game offensively at a really high level. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought during the preseason you were saying that you would like to see Conley play in this situation the first game, sit out the second game against the perceived tougher opponent, and that's exactly the opposite, it appears. Are you okay with that? So there's two – what I actually was saying is it was just an interesting – setup is that we're our back are back into back to backs this year against all the best teams in the league. Now some of them are now against the Lakers and they're certainly not um obligatory shot. Um but I think I do think in this circumstance there's some value to the first one being missed because then he's actually playing every other you know, he gets two days off and he's playing every other day rather than um rather than having it be the other way around. Like I think if you play the first one, well, I mean, I guess it, you get two days off somewhere. You're probably better off getting two days, two days off earlier rather than later. Um, but I also think that the NBA TV aspect of Saturday has an impact on this. I don't think you're supposed to rest players on national television games. Okay. Well, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure the Jazz get the choice because if you actually have watched this, the other time they did this was Mike didn't play against Chicago in the first one, but did play in the second one against Milwaukee, which was a national yeah. TV game. Right. Don't they want to see what the team looks like with Conley against the Warriors? I mean, if he sits, it's uh, a really different game. Yeah, I don't know that it... Um, I'm not sure that January 1st chain impacts May. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I get that, but I still you, you want to try stuff, and I get I that it'll be months later. Bigger for the, I think. I mean, this is it's gonna be great, and I'm not trying to underplay it at all. But just being around the team before we were not around the team, I would say they're very kind of methodical about this approach of getting better by game seventy. So I think the January first game against the Warriors, as though it's a litmus test for the team and where it stands is probably much more of a fan talk radio concept than it is something that inside that they'll feel. So just because I think it matches to, you know, what they're going to look at is, well, how did we deal with the following, you know, the Warriors are a non-pick-and-roll team. So, um, you know, how how did we deal with a team that really doesn't run much pick-and-roll and and runs almost everything as off-ball screens, and how did we defend that, and, you know, and and what was our approach on that? So I think that that's, you know, where the Warriors have a unique challenge, and then Steph obviously just bends the game. But I don't think it'll be as specific to the way you're phrasing it as, hey, what we did on January 1st, we'll know that we can use on May. Now, quite frankly, the other side of that story is about the eighth game of the year last year. The Clippers went small on us, spread out the floor. They did it with a Baca, and it was like, oh, dear. Like, there's our kryptonite. And we knew it on the eighth game of the year last year, and there's nothing you could do about it. So maybe, maybe it does reveal something. 
Yeah, I've always felt that, as you say that, when you listen to him in the post game, uh, there's no wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's more clinical in their responses, win or lose for that matter, and particularly when they lost a couple of those games. I related to my own small little personal example. I've got a 16-year-old who's a junior, and you know she likes drama. And I try to tell her, now, if this doesn't relate to graduating high school with the best grades that you can get, I don't really want to hear about it <laughs> because that's the goal here is next year. And I said the whole goal of why we're doing this is to uh, have you be up on that stage when they announce your name and you receive a diploma. And, and it's an unusual circumstance. It's not a child that was born into our family. So, uh, But nevertheless, I'm the guardian. And so I'm trying to get her to to focus on that. And that's the goal. And I sort of sense that with the jazz, too, is that, you know, we evaluate what you're doing day to day, game to game. But the goal here is about May. Is that is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I might even make the goal a little earlier. I mean, I I think it's game. It's game 70. Right. Well, let's be ready at game 70, game 75. Like, let's be ready. I don't think they're dismissing how hard it is to get to May. So I think they might be doing it a little earlier. And, you know, there's, there is a top, like game 70. There's, there's a Quinn's got a little phrase he's using. I'm not going to use it because it's, it's in house, but it, you know, and it revolves around that idea of 70, 75, 80. Let's, let's be ready to go at that point. Um, I think it's a really good analogy. Sarah Todd of the Deseret News wrote it. I thought a good piece and actually moreover from my standpoint asked a bunch of great questions as she wrote to the single piece to the guys during the eight game win streak that they seemed so calm and they were kind of unexcited about it. And Mike Conley even said, well, I've never been on a team that's like this. Like, you know, yeah, we won eight in a row. No one seemed to be like moved by it because we had bigger purpose and we were analyzing each game the same way. And I think that um, the same approach was clear on uh, when they suddenly lost two in a row that they didn't, they didn't really react. Um, you know, so I think that that's I think that's true as well. Is that you know they've had some funky losses in here, and they I think they've dealt with them really well. And I even like thought the most interesting one was the San Antonio loss, where I, like I didn't think we played great, and I went back and rewatched it, and then the next day Quinn's press conference comes like they just made a ton of shots, like they were really good. They made, and you know what? Actually, when I went back and watched it, they did. They made a ton of shots. Like, they're NBA players. I mean, the one thing I think the Jazz have got to do a better job of, and but this actually might just take care of itself when the intensity ramps up, is they're better than most teams they play. So tonight we're better than Minnesota, particularly with Minnesota's lineup. Let's not let the sample size of the game get down to 10 possessions. Like, we, we're, we're doing that a few too many times, where we're better than them, we try to sneak through it, we're not particularly tough to play in that game, and then – all of a sudden you've got five minutes left or four minutes left and there's 10 possessions. Well, you know, I mean, using another kind of childhood analogy, if you're the little brother and the big brother wants to play ping pong and you want to win, the fewer points you play, the better chance you have, right? If you play 20, 21, you're probably going to lose. He's better than you are. But at five, you know, you got a chance. Like I used to always tell my daughter when she was playing her brother, like, tell me you don't have very much time. You only got to play to five. <laughs> so 34 games in. And still 36 games before they hit that magic number of 70. What are they better at? What do you look at and think they are clearly invested with however many practices in the 34 games? This they are better at. Uh, A few things. One, defensively, when teams spread them out, Rudy's having a more impact on on defensively than he has in the past. You know, the the book used to be was go play your your big on the. Whoever's playing center is on the far side, strong side corner, or far side corner, and then come from the other side, and then Rudy's got too far to come to impact things. They've they've put in some systems, and they're building, and they're working and developing some things, and you'll see it tonight probably. Um, though Nasri is interesting because he plays from the top, which is a little different, and then impacts Rudy differently. Um, I think they've so that's one. Um, I think they've changed some things they're doing defensively in regards to how they're guarding the pick and roll when there's a mid range shooter, which is really this incredible willingness to just switch Rudy onto the ball um, and let Rudy just defend everything. It's like the joke of what Patrick Beverly had to say. Um, I mean, really one of the more asinine lack of basketball knowledge comments, but oh, I don't guard the best guy. Like actually the exact opposite is the jazz are setting up their entire offense or defense so that Rudy ends up on the best guy every time. I thought it was very interesting that the jazz had Rudy guard Przingis and 
Royce O'Neal guard Jalen Brunson, and then they immediately went to the switch. You know, and so they were totally willing to have him guard uh, Rudy guard Jalen Brunson. It worked beautifully. So those are the two defensive things. Offensively, I think they've gotten much better on attacking uh, one through five switching. That's what they had in their last game uh, against Portland, who, you know, is another personnel to do it very well, but you saw them make two passes before the point of attack. And it, you know, when someone's switching like that, then you can really take advantage of them rather than getting stuck in that one-on-one, find the isolation mismatch. Um, and the other thing I think is ironic, and I, I don't – their offense is so good right now, and people are trying to figure it out. I actually feel like teams have gone back to where they were two years ago, where they've gone back to playing drop big and hugging our three-point shooters and then saying to Don, you know, making Donovan and Mike make, make a bunch of plays in the lane – and it's pretty interesting to see that take place in the sense that, like, that's literally a swing from two years ago. That's what people did to us. We figured it out at such a rate that then they, um, uh, that they, you know, teams went to switching and trapping and some other things. We've torched all those so badly. People are going back to the old school drop pick against us. You going to watch the Rose Bowl? Try. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the Rose Bowl. It's awesome. You know, it's one of the favorite moments of my life is going to the Rose Bowl with my dad. I'm so excited that people get to do that here. And, um, you know, I think, you know, as an Arizona State fan, you know how special it is if you ever get to go. Like, it's uh, – yeah. so, I mean, I hope – I think Ute fans, everything I've read, Ute fans are taking this as, you know, you know 60,000 people going. They're figuring it out. It's kind of great. Like, I've, um, I'll watch it the best I can. I'm not attached to this team. I'm attached to Kyle, not like you are. But, like, I dropped him a note the other day just kind of reminding him that – you know, I knew Kyle back in 1992 or three. Um, there was a woman in the University of Utah football office I was I was dating at the time, and um, and then Ronnie Mack was the head coach, and Sean McNabb was the running back coach, and I was really tight with Sean, um, and he really taught me football, and so I was around their offices a lot. And Kyle was this you know, grumpy linebackers coach who didn't like to recruit and, you know, just wanted, his dad was the defense coordinator, just wanted to do football and hated to go out and recruit. Now all you ever hear him talk about is it's all about recruiting. Um, but, I, you know, I just dropped him a note the other day that just kind of said, hey, you know, I, I'm, I know you're grinding. I know you well enough to know you're grinding. And But, you know, go back. Like, that was a long time ago, and you've been driving us for a long time. And if I told you in 1993 when we were walking around that office that you were going to play in the Rose Bowl in 20. 21 like or 2022 i guess like you yeah. would have thought i was virtually you know insane right like the idea uh-huh. that utah was in the rose bowl would have been insane the idea that he was a head coach would have been insane the idea that we've been a head coach for 15 years whatever it's been is, you know really it's an incredible run so i think in that sense i'll watch very much you know rooting for kyle and, and the people that have been around this program for a long time agreed i can remember when uh we started uh on K-Fan, and there was some rumor about expansion that didn't happen because there's, you know, dozens of them. Uh, and we were talking about, well, where will they fit in and what program will they be like? And, you know, it's hard to imagine them being very good or very far up. Um, so I'm wondering if you find it surprising, if you go back to 1993, you, David, if you would find it more surprising that it came together and they won the conference and they got to a Rose Bowl, or that Kyle's won a minimum of nine games in six of the last seven full seasons throughout the shortened season last year. But in the other seven years, they've won nine games or more in six of these seven years, and they haven't had a losing season. Which one is more impressive to you, knowing where the program was? You know, I, I, I might go with both if I could. I mean, just one, the what you're talking about is, I, I think, equally as impressive as going to the Rose Bowl. So, like, and then I think going to the Rose Bowl is the greatest thing you know, that you can do in college, you know, in our West Coast college football. I'm obviously playing for a national title, but when I grew up, that wasn't, that wasn't it. It was only Rose Bowl. So I think that there's a, you know, there's a level here where that's really, it's a pretty fabulous, but I think your, your point is good. I mean, I remember the press conference at the Rice-Eccles Stadium and the dread of the coaches, right? Chris Hill was sitting up top as, you know, the cat that ate the canary and, you know, it was his crowning moment and greatest day ever and, you know, changed the French program for in school forever, both academically and athletically. And I remember looking in the back of the room at all these coaches who were just like, oh, my God, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to compete? And Kyle was one of them, frankly. Um, 
And I remember talking to the coaches afterwards, like, wow, everyone's celebrating, and I am like, woo, do we got a problem. Um, and so the fact that the whole program, you know, has generally d- done pretty well and that football has led the way this way is, is yes, e- as remarkable as going to the Rose Bowl. Going to the Rose Bowl, I mean, really, one of the great things to offer now. I mean, I would, I, I, people might disagree. I, I, I think it's right up there, you know, for moments in the program of the Majerus basketball run um, in that I know that was for a national title, but frankly, college football is just bigger. And so to be on that stage on January 1st and that historic game for this program and our state, like it's big. It's really big. David, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. We'll hear you on the broadcast tonight. What are three things I should watch for when watching the Rose Bowl? Well, number one, can the Utes run the ball? Because the two teams that have beaten Ohio State have run the ball like crazy. And they're both over 250 okay. yards. So that's number one. PK, what's number two? Uh, what kind of success Stroud, I think, is going to have the ball, uh, throwing the ball? You know, he threw for 3,800 yards, 38 touchdowns, but he's had two of his top three receivers out. So what success are they going to have against Utah's defensive secondary that is not as good as it's normally been because of injuries and inexperience? So what type of success is this quarterback, who had not thrown a ball until he came into this season and has had a sensational season, and how much success can he have in throwing the ball? I mean, his stats are off the charts. And number three, Kyle will uh, get on a plane, come back here and fire us before kickoff and then fly back to the game if we don't say turnovers. I mean, he has, he has preached that forever. You can have however hot your quarterback is, however dominant your run game is, if quarterback throws picks and your running back fumbles, the turnovers are going to beat you nine times out of ten. So always, Turn- always turnovers watch turnovers. Turnovers usually happen because somebody's physically superior. I always believe that. Your running back gets hit harder than they've been hit before. The passing window closes faster. The defensive ends getting on the quarterback faster than they're used to. Is is there a is there a chance that either side is physically superior? Well, everyone would say Ohio State. I mean, they're going to have more four and five stars. I mean, that's the thing about losing two of their top three receivers. We don't know how these other receivers are going to perform down in and down out because they don't get to get in the field and perform down in and down out. But we know they're not short and we know they're not slow. But are they up to the moment to step in in the Rose Bowl and make one big play after another? Because that's what the guys they're replacing were doing. I was listening to your show and you were interviewing an Ohio State guy earlier in the stretch, and I think he was saying it was the greatest receiver crew ever. So that was before these guys, what they do to step out because of drafting? Or mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. The Christian McCaffrey carryover, Stanford yep. legacy, right there. It's becoming more and more common in bigger and bigger games, and now in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I kind of I hate to say it, but I get it. Right, but you do hate to say it because it's the Rose Bowl. And the entire yeah, sport has benefited from the Rose Bowl, and nobody's looking out for the big picture. Everybody's making the best decision for themselves, and that includes coaches leaving teams and ADs firing coaches after game two. But there's all this crazy stuff happening in college football, and nobody's really looking out for the big picture thing. Everybody is, you know, what's right in front of me. And what's right in front of these guys is multi-million dollar contracts, so we get that. We get why they're doing what they're doing. But somebody in the sport ought to be looking out for big events like the Rose Bowl because the whole sport benefits them. Utah benefited from the Rose Bowl before it was ever in the Pac-12. Right. I mean, I think the only answer would be that you're given a free insurance policy up to your expected earning value based on some evaluation system. It's the only way you can get a guy to play. Right, Christian McCaffrey, you're likely to make 100 million. You tear your ACL in this game. You get here's your insurance policy paid for by Stanford University, and you get 100 million. Then you go tear your ACL on purpose. <laughs> David Locke, Commissioner of College Football, when he's done calling jazz games. Thank you, David. See ya. David Locke, you'll hear him tonight on the call. Jazz and Wolves, 7 o'clock. And Jazz and Warriors tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Pre-game show both nights at 6 o'clock. Right here on the Zone Sports Network. More on the Rose Bowl, your predictions. Stay with us. This is Unrivaled. Guys are doing a hell of a job. And one final time this season, Devin Kafusi, defensive lineman for the University of Utah. You know, the leaders step up. The guys rally together. 
know, having that players meeting that Sunday, you know, it was just like, okay, yeah, this is awesome. This is the right stuff that's happening, the right attitude. We're all encouraged about, you know, who we are still, because that's all that matters is the people in this room. And that's what we talk about week in and week out. Coach Kyle's mentioned is the bandwagoners are, have left and it's just us. And then we've seen them trying to jump on, but you know what? Screw them. It's just us. It's just our team. That's all that matters here. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This week's Raider game against the Colts is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home and the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. Question of the day, prediction time. Who is going to win? Rose Bowl time, people. Who's going to get it done? Utes right now getting 71% of the vote. We got about 250 votes. People very confident, although Super Serial at Climate Changer tweets at us, canceled last minute. He's predicting a Holiday Bowl-like thing. Total downer. Thanks for that, Super Serial. Oh, well, just get over it. They made the Rose Bowl, and they're playing in the Rose Bowl. Deal with it. It's not the end of the world. Dan says, go Suckeyes. Is that what Michigan fans uh, refer to the Buckeyes as? I hadn't heard that one. It works. I, I do not know that. I yeah. think that that's very mean, and I don't think we should do that to another human being. Kalen says, I am sad to say, but the Utes are going to win this game 34-20. to 20. <laughs> Why are you sad to say? I, I assume Kalen roots for BYU. What's that have to do with BYU? Cougars don't want to see the Utes win. Yeah, when you boil it down, I don't think it has anything to do with your program. I don't think them winning this game has any effect on BYU's football program. Zero. BYU will do what it does. It will recruit who it recruits. They will play the way they play. Now, I get that you want your rival to lose. I understand. From the fan perspective, I completely understand that 100%. But at the same time, I don't think there's any tangible evidence that will damage your program no matter what happens tomorrow. But I still understand your fan, so you don't want them to lose. I, I, that's not for me. Like when the U of A went to the national basketball final with Lou Olson, I was fine with it. Like, eh, good for them. But, that, but I'm different that way. I mean, I, I understand that. And I know the, the average fan is not like that. They're wired to hate the rival, most of them anyway. And that, a lot of them actually don't even care about the, the other guy. That is what I expect. That's what we hear more of. But you were at the Fiesta Bowl, and probably of all the surprising, because the game wasn't a surprise. Utah was supposed to destroy Pitt, and they did. Probably the most surprising thing I, I heard was the 50,000 Ute fans and you saying, oh, yeah, there's a lot of Cougar fans wearing red. I mean, I, you saw people you knew from your neighborhood or, you know, people your wife worked with or however you knew them. And you knew they were Cougar fans, but it was like, nah, it's a local team. It's a trip to better, better weather. It'd be fun. Let's make a trip. Well, I think, too, you have folks that have a, a crossover now. Split with loyalties play, in a family? Well, not necessarily within the family. It would be like... Okay, my I, I've got this example right in my own block, and I'm, my neighbor's probably listening. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. So they're hardcore Utes. You know, they used to have a, a guy in the neighborhood. If uh, the BYU team won, he would go in the night of and paint the BYU logo in the yard, and then they would paint it in his yard and all that stuff, and you had to wear the other team's sweatshirt for a week or whatever. So they're hardcore Ute fans, right? But at the same time, they grow up in the neighborhood and they have kids and their kids are active from the time they're little in the peewee football all the way up through high school. And there's kids that they've played with who have been recruited by and sign and play for the Cougars. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So you want to see those guys do well. Now, conversely, it's the other way around, too. The Cougars and they... 
grow up and Johnny ends up playing for the Utes. Sure. So you want to see them do well because you get you've known them since they were like eight years old in the Pee Wee League, right? And so you've watched them and you know their parents and, and everything and you like them and you're friends with them, at least to, to one degree or another. So you want to see them do well. And they go on to Stanford because a kid in the neighborhood who went on to Stanford and played the Fahoko kid. And so a bunch of, like my wife taught the kid, right? Knew, knew the kid. And so you end up, you, you want to see that individual do well because you've known him since, you know, he was in the sixth, seventh grade. So I think you have that type of situation. Now, when it comes down to one-on-one, my team against your team, I want my team to win. But at the same time, you know, since they're two universities basically in the same area, obviously the same media market, uh, and easily cross over. So you may not have a split loyalty within the family, but you've gotten to know other families and their kids, and they are in the band or they're a cheerleader or what have you. And so you want to see them have fun, have success. So I think that's what you have in that way that I've seen play out a number of times, multiple times actually, many times in my neighborhood. I may not see it as much anymore. My neighborhood's starting to age and if you would have gone in our neighborhood 20 years ago, you'd see a bunch of kids riding bikes all over the place. And now it's and, quiet yards driving down the street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I've driven down your street. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that. What, you know, and that, that's the evolution of every neighborhood, basically. Absolutely. Yep. So it happens every... That's just, that's just Americana, and it's probably in the world. I don't know. I haven't been many, many places in the world. But so you have that. And so, sure, you want to go to the game? Yeah. I, I've got... Uh, Two neighbors, uh, two houses down. Jake Scott knows them. They're not Utes at all. They're actually from Idaho. But they're going to, they're down here. They came to the game. I mean, they know their kids went to the local high school, and so they know kids. And they're down here, and they're going to have a good time. I get it. DJ and PK, hit us up with your predictions for the game. Final score, but also anything you see in the game, how it might go, why it might go. You can hit our Facebook page, DJ and PK. You can tweet at us, David DJ James. What's the text line, PK? I do not know, but <laughs> it I never doesn't did matter. Know, and it doesn't matter anymore, yeah. <laughs> All right, DJ PK, we'll get to more in a moment. Scott Mitchell, coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, former Utah quarterback, now Utah football radio analyst and co-host of Unrivaled in the afternoons here on The Zone. Scott will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.